Welcome to the audio podcast of Believer's House. We are a multi-generational, multi-ethnic church in the city of Halifax, Nova Scotia, called to lead people to Jesus, make them more like Him, and see them lead others to Him. We hope this message you are about to listen to inspires you to become more like Jesus in your thoughts, words, and actions. Philippians chapter 4, from verse 10 to 20, it says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Somebody say content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. Verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And verse 20 says, Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Uh, I will read that same scripture, a portion of it, in the New Living Translation, and then I'll tell you the title of my message. So Philippians chapter 4, if you can give us that on the screen from verse 11 to verse number 13. Here's what it says in the New Living Translation. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. This morning, I want to preach a message that I've called content with whatever. Content with whatever. Holy Spirit, think through my mind and speak through my vocal cords. All of you and none of me. It's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. Uh, You see, while I was growing up as a teenager in in my early teens, while I was in high school, I had an experience. Um, I'd come back from school, and I was in the boarding house. So this was one of the times when I'd come home, like the actual boarding house, not the ones that they go home and come back every day, like Joseph. The real one, where you actually go to the boarding house and live there. (laughs) So I was back home. Um, He went to a bottom one, like uh, rich people go to that kind of boarding house. So I went to to school, and I came back home, and I was at home. I was just visiting the neighbors, like just, you know, myself and my siblings. My parents weren't home, and we were just with the neighbors watching, you know, maybe Bollywood or something, right? That's what we do in Nigeria, you know? And 
All of a sudden, somebody ran into the room, the living room where we were, and said, Sheung, 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 your house is on fire. Now, I, I remember it like yesterday. I'll never forget it. Like, there is, there is a difference between somebody telling you fear and you actually experiencing fear. There are two different things. It went from, my, from the crown of my head. Like, it just surged through my entire body. I'm like, what do you mean? I said, your house is burning. Your house is on fire. So I decided to just humor this fellow, and we ran outside, and I, and I stepped out, and my house was just the next house. And I looked, and all I could see was fire. This is not smoke. Like, fire coming through the, the windows, breaking the glass, and people running around. Somebody said, call 911 in Nigeria. That's a different story, okay? So the 911 were all the neighbors. People just started running around. And they must have been doing this for a while because there was so much activity going on. And we were there just watching TV. And I stood there, for, and I was just motionless. Like, I really couldn't move. I was just looking at this whole thing. I mean, in Nigeria, it takes a lot for a house to burn to the ground because houses are made of bricks, not the way we build here, okay? So the house didn't burn to the ground, but we lost everything. And at that level, I understood what it was to lose all your precious things, at least at that my level, right? You get back into your house and everything's gone. <laughs> like, I mean, just a minute ago, I was, I was here in this house and I, I'm back here and everything's gone. So I said that to say what I'm about to say next. So that what I'm about to say next does not sound like I'm being insensitive. I know what it feels like. I actually have had, I mean, not all of you can say that, but I can, just from what I've told you now, that I actually know what it feels like for your house to go. Uh-huh. I may not have been the owner of the house at the time, but I had a stake in it. So, what I want to say next is this. On Sunday when I was here, I mean, after you, you all had left, and I came back um, in the evening, and as I was trying to get back here, just to try to, you know, get a few things that I know that we might need, if we needed to maybe do a live stream or whatever it was, and I was trying to get back here, there was a lot of traffic because people were moving in all directions. Those who were trying to get out, those who were trying to come in, those who had houses, those who didn't have any business with the fire. But what I noticed was just the chaos and the fact that people don't know how to behave when things are not going the way that it's supposed to go. See, this is a big deal. It's, it's serious enough that I'm, I'm making it the subject of my message. People don't understand how to behave. The minute things change, and it doesn't look the way that it's supposed to look, everybody loses control. And I saw people who ordinarily, I mean, we pride in, we, we always make fun of Nigeria and pride in, in Canadians that people behave properly here. Everybody lost their mind. People were opening their door, they were sitting on their cars, they were removing their shirts. They were running into the bush. I'm like, what's wrong with everybody? Like, relax. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm saying that people that don't even have any business with the fire, all that was going on was that they were inconvenienced by the fact that there was a lot of traffic. And everybody just lost it. So I started thinking about it. Why is everybody in this kind of chaos? Like, this is how we go home in Lagos. <laughs> every day. I mean, literally every single day, this is how we go home. Look, I was living on the, on the, on the mainland in Lagos, and I was working on the island one season of my life. If I left work at 7 o'clock at my office in, on the island, I'm going to get home at 11 o'clock. If I stayed in the office till 10 o'clock, I'm going to get home at 11 o'clock. Because if I leave home at 7, <laughs> I'm going to be in, a, in three hours of traffic, literally, to get to my house. But if I wait for everybody to do their thing, 
<laughs> and we always joke that in Lagos traffic, you can literally cook food. You can buy stove, you can buy pots, you can, I'm, I'm not joking, you can buy pepper, they can wash your car in the traffic, for real. So I saw all of this and I'm like, why is everybody losing it? What's going on? And there must have been believers among those people. So it was so refreshing when I got to, to the house of one of our members who shared that testimony. And all that was coming out of our mouth was faith. Ah, look, you don't understand how, how it excites me when I see somebody walking by faith. I was, and she was saying, oh, we're just going to go and have another honeymoon. That's all. And I'm just like, does she, does she understand what is going on? <laughs> oh, well, we're just going to have another honeymoon. She was just, you know, you could, it could almost be as if, you know, they said they just bought a new house and they are moving there. That's how to be a Christian. So we, we don't lose things and everything just like something happens that is not part of the, the order of things and you just lose your mind. And your words just, you know, like, oh, I'm finished. Oh, my house is going to go. I'm like, relax. <laughs> relax. Because God is in control. When a believer is concerned, now God is not in control of the whole world, okay? But in the heart and the life of a believer, God is what? In control. So is it okay if I talk about this this morning? All right. Because, like I said, I'm going to step on toes. Because some people will not like it. Pastor, this message is not very sensitive. You have to be, I'm not that kind of pastor, okay? I teach the word. Now, let's go back to what Paul said in verse 12 of Philippians chapter 4. And see something else here. Philippians chapter 4 verse 12. He says, I know how to be abased. And I know how to abound. I wanted to call this message abased and abound. But it will sound too spiritual. Content with whatever is... Very easy to understand. Simple. Now, he's saying here that everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound, which is to have a lot, and to suffer need. He learned it. <laughs> so he's saying, I know how. Just the way you say, I know how, or I don't know how. For instance, I don't know how to cook. I mean, I mean, if you, if you, I mean... If I cook, one of two things. Is it going to be a burnt offering or a living sacrifice? It's one of the two. All right? So I don't go near cooking. If I'm very, very hungry and I really, really need to eat, and my wife is not available, I will cook noodles. Escape roots. Put an egg in it, let it boil together. You can't go wrong with that. I'll do that. But to cook for the family, oh boy. So I don't, I don't know how. I don't know how, and I don't do that. My wife knows how to cook. Literally knows how. A dash of this, a pinch of that. Knows how. You know the real chefs that don't need the book. They know how to sprinkle this and dash of that. She can do that. But when it comes to cars, however, I know how. She does not know how. She doesn't, if you open the bonnet of a car, she doesn't know where the battery is. She doesn't know where the radiator is. Does not know how. In fact, I, I have so much know-how about cars because I've, I've spent my early, you know, uh, young adult life in Lagos using all manner of cars. Uh, I had a car once, I've told you about it, that was a chameleon. The color of the car was dependent on the direction of the sun. Sometimes it's blue, sometimes it's green, sometimes it's both. It just depends on the angle of the sun. And sometimes when I drove the car, I used to hold the door. You don't understand this. You will come into my car and all the lights are on the dashboard are on. And you say, your check engine light is on. Oh, leave it. You'll be fine. It's just check engine light. There's no, nothing's wrong. 
Hey, nothing is wrong here. And we'll get to our destination. So I've used those cars. In fact, I know how so much that there was one time I was going through my, my notes and I saw a letter of apology that I had written to my landlord. Sorry that there's so much oil on the floor. I will fix the oil and I will clean it up. I'm, I saw it. I wrote a letter of apology because what I had done was, instead of taking my car to, to an auto shop to fix it, I raised my car, got under the car and fixed it myself. Right there in the house. So there was so much oil and spillage and whatever, and I had to apologize for that. So I know how to do that. But those are things that you learn. The same way you learn how to cook or understand a car, Paul is saying that there is a know-how that you have to acquire in order to live in abundance and to live in poverty. So what is he telling us? That there is a dying act in Christianity that is called suffering. That nobody is talking about anymore. That Christianity is not this, you know, bed of, you know, everything must be nice. No, no, no. There is an art in Christianity that is referred to as suffering. Literal suffering. And we must know how to do it. Oh, are you awake this morning? We have to do what? Know how. We must know how to do it. I'm not going to be a pastor of a bunch of people who lose their minds when things are not going well. No. No, sir. No. <laughs> That's not allowed. <laughs> it's not permitted. You cannot lose it because things are not going the way you thought they should go. So I want to show you from the scriptures how that in the midst of that chaos, oh, it's going to get interesting now. Look, when God wants to take you from one level to another, he introduces something into your life that is called chaos. When he wants to actually perform a miracle, <laughs> do something that is... This is how my pastor in Nigeria used to teach us this thing. He used to call it, never let a crisis go to waste. He preached that message so many times, it entered my blood. Now, this is one of the messages that he will repeat over and over. Sometimes, he will, three months later, he will just come and preach it again. Another three months, he will preach it again. He preached it so much that it became a part of my life. I want to transfer that to you. Look, when a crisis shows up in your life, I'm telling you <laughs> that God is in the building. He is about to turn that crisis into your greatest miracle. When I told one of the people, you, you know, who gave for us to pay the rent, I was telling them, I said, there is a, there is a, I, I sense a miracle in this season. That's why I could step out when everybody was going mad and say, now is the time we're going to get a new space. Because I know that when something is going wrong, God is about to do something. That's why I told you before, when we were singing that song, I said, when, when in the life of a believer, it is not in the good times and bad. It is the good times I'm blessed. Because that bad, <laughs> what you call bad, is what God wants to turn into a blessing. And so, so that it will not sound like just, oh, just, just trying to motivate us. I'm going to show you from the Bible how it translates literally into the fact that when you see something going wrong in your life, when it looks like, oh God, uh, I applied for that thing, they rejected me. Ha. Huh. Huh. <laughs> that is the trigger moment. That is the trigger. But what happens with many people is that that's when they lose their minds. That's when they, they drop all their confessions. That's when they start saying the wrong stuff. You start hearing things from them and you're like, are you a Christian? Say, leave that stuff. We're being real here. Have you heard that before? We're being realistic here. Can't you see how everything is? They're telling me to make confession. Leave that. I'm a realist. And their life is going down the drain. <laughs> I'm a realist. So can we look into the Bible and see how that there is, look, let me start from here so that I'm not going off track, okay? John chapter 16 and verse 33, give me that. 
This is one of the most important disciplines of Christianity, is knowing how to suffer. Because things will not always be rosy. Look, in Christianity, we don't pray that we will not have suffering. We pray for the faith to walk through it. These things I have spoken to you, Jesus speaking, that in me you may have peace. Where is the peace? In him. He said that in me you may have peace. In the world, though, what are you going to have? Is it camping and bonfire? You know, you can't even burn anything out. 25000 It's not a joke, oh. $25,000. Yeah, that's what you're going to pay. That's minimum wage for some people. So don't try it. Or don't burn anything. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. This is the premise of Christianity. I don't know where we got this thing from that everything is supposed to, when I give my life to Jesus, everything is supposed to be nice. No. He said in the world, you will have tribulation. Tribulation. And I thought about this. Do you know that, me, that as I'm standing here before you, huh, as, your, as your pastor, do you know that these are things that are reconciled with myself and with God, which is why I ran away from ministry for a while. Because do you know that as I'm standing here before you, I can be picked up from this place and put in prison. Do you know that? For my views. Do you know? Oh, pastor, we reject it. I'm, not, I'm telling you what can happen. I have to be prepared for that. That, that I can say something now. If I, for instance, if I, if I, and I'll say it, that the Bible says Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. That it is, it is Adam and Eve, not Eve and Brittany. That statement can land me in trouble. And I have to be prepared for that. To sit down in the prison cell and say, give me a pen and paper. I want to write a message inside the prison. Those are the words we are reading from Paul. So it's not this game of, uh, um, uh, you know, everything. Don't, don't offend anybody so that, you know, nothing goes wrong. So that, you know, that's not Christianity. We are joking around. We are messing around. That's not Christianity. Christianity is you've got to be prepared that at some point your life is going to be disrupted. Something is going to happen that will, that will mean that you have to decide, am I going to stick with what I believe? Look, it's as simple as people, there were people during the time of COVID who insisted that I'm not going to take the vaccine because of my religious beliefs. It was their own revelation. Some of them lost their jobs because of that conviction. We had them here in church. Lost their jobs because of that. Had to go on EI for a long time. EI ended, they still refused to take the vaccine until everything, and that is their own personal conviction. You have to come to a place of personal conviction because there's going to be suffering. I'm telling you, if you practice real Christianity in the world, what will you have? All right, I won't expect you to shout too much today because it's not a shouting message. But the point is that we do both things by faith. Both living in abundance when you, are, when you have abundance and it looks like everything is going well, you do it by faith. When there is, there looks like there is lack, you also do it by faith. What is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Which is that, if it, if it looks like all you have is $100 in your bank account, you look at that $100 as if it's a million dollars. And the gratitude that is coming out from your heart is the same as though it was a million. This is, this is a know-how. That's why he called it that. <laughs> it's something you learn. You're not born with this stuff. You learn it by reading your Bible every single day, seeing examples of this, hearing teachings like this. You learn the stuff. That this Christianity is not, uh, uh, you know, everything just has to be perfect. There will be those days. But when those days are there, you do it by faith, which is that as you are enjoying abundance, you are living by faith, which is God, these blessings that are coming into my hand, what is the purpose of it? 
Every saint that comes into my hand has an assignment on his life. It's not everything that comes into my hand that is supposed to just be for me and my children. There is a kingdom assignment on every single resource that enters my hand. God, how am I supposed to channel this? That's how to live by faith in abundance. That's how to do it by faith. So you learn that. But the opposite is also true. That when you are, you are living in a season that looks like God, when am I going to get out of this? Look, I've said this before and I'll keep saying it. There is nothing you are going through right now, right now in your life, that will not change in the future if you stay with it. You might be, look, you might, I always say this too, I use this example, it's a very simple example, but I use it all the time. There was a season in my life huh, that I had only one pair of shoes. I've told you, I don't, I don't, maybe that's why I like shoes too much now. Look, the other day we, we put shoe rack and I told my wife, she arranged the shoes, there was no more space. The shoe, the shoe rack finished before the shoes. But there was a season in my life that I, don't, I had only one. And the reason why I had that one was because it was on a list of things that I have to bring into boarding house. That's the only reason my parents bought it. It's the same guy that's standing before you this morning. So if I had stayed there in my, in my life and said, oh, look at me. It's the same shoe. If I have wedding uh, to go, it's the same shoe. If I'm going to school, it's the same shoe. If there is a, you know, uh, it's the same one. <laughs> and when the sole of the shoe looks like it has, you go and put another thing under it to... You don't know what I'm talking about. You guys are too tush. Look at my, oh. We have butter people in Believer's House. They're very tush. You don't know what I'm talking about. What does it mean to be content? So because when we say content with whatever, I don't want you to hear it and say, just take rubbish. Or anything that happens is fine. No, that's not what we're saying. What does it mean to be content? To be content is making the most of where you are on the way to where you are going. You need to write that down. Making the most of where you are on the way to where you are going. So, the days when I was telling you this morning that something and I were talking about, that I can show you pictures of these days, so it's not like something in the moon, that we will have two chairs here, two chairs here, and it will be one table, that table that was there will be here, and we'll have church. I kept, I used to tell him, he's right there, you can ask him, that this is not the end of this. You will see a season where things are going to change. And we are beginning to see it. But I'm saying to you again that what we are seeing now is a joke. Look, where we are going to as a church, all of you that are sitting down here will be the ones running around to make service happen. Then you will ask yourself when you get into the room that where did all these people come from? Look at what he said in Isaiah. And who has begotten me all this? That's what you ask yourself. Is it not the same believers? I was like, well, how, where? <laughs> where have all these people been? <laughs> because you will be the one welcoming them. You will be the one parking their cars. You will be the one, you know, offering them coffee and stuff. And, you, and it will amaze you. I'm telling you what's going to happen. The only problem is, will you stay with God? Or will you check out when things are tough? When it looks like, oh, it's a challenge. There were days in this place that, look, two months. After two months, we'll go and check the offering. It's $50 that's in the offering. She's here. <laughs> after two months. If we don't you know, like subsidy, subsidize the, 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 only Nigerians will understand that. <laughs> the president of Nigeria just took away the, the fuel subsidy. Fuel subsidy. They don't know what, oh, gas subsidy. <laughs> come on, come to Canada, come down to Canada. So in Nigeria, the government subsidizes the price of gasoline, of petrol. Do you know the way the market determines the price here? It's not the way the government subsidizes it so that people don't say the price is too high. So the new president now took away that subsidy. 
So that's what we're doing for the church. We will subsidize everything. Sometimes the whole rent, subsidize the whole rent. One year we were doing that. But I knew that that was not the end. It's the same church now that we, we wanted to, to get a plan and we were able to pay $3,000 in 24 hours. So you look at that and, I mean, we sat down together and we're talking about it. We said, you know, there's going to come a time that it will not be $3,000 we are looking for in 24 hours. It will be $30,000 and we will pay it. This is how I want you to think. This is how I want you to live your life. Not, not you know, when something happens, ah, everything, ah. Like, you need to have been there with me in that car. At a point, I was like, should I come out and preach to these people? Because I don't understand what's going on. Everybody was just losing their minds. I'm like, I just hope there's no believer among these people. And I understand, you know, people can be under a lot of pressure when they don't understand what things are. But you have to know that, look, when things are looking good, there will be a season. That's why God, in his wisdom, gave us seasons. There's summer, there's winter. So just when you are, have you ever been in the, in the winter and you are complaining? I said, God, I cannot wait for summer. I can't wait for summer. But when summer comes, like two days ago, that was 30-something degrees. I was telling them at work, this is a normal day in Nigeria, normal, regular day. They say, oh, oh, I'm going to die. I'm too hot. Oh, like, relax. So when you are inside of it, it looks like the worst-case scenario, and you are looking forward to the next season. But you have to be able to, in that season that you are in, right, make the most of it while you are looking forward to what's coming. So to be content does not mean that, oh, I don't want anything else. It's just me, my husband, and my dog, my two cats. I don't want any other thing. I'm not no contentment. Content is, is that this is what I have right now. I will make the most of it. But I know that the plans that God has for me, they are plans of good and not of evil, to give me a future and a hope. Say amen to that. Amen. John chapter 17, verse 15. Let me show you a few more scriptures. John 17, 15. He says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. This is what he promised us. Not that we will, we will be exported away from the world. We will be here. And he already said the world is full of tribulation. But you will be preserved in it. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. He says, no temptation has overtaken you, except such as is common to man. But God is what? faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it, that you may be able to bear it. This is very important. Proverbs 24 verse 10. I'm loading you with scriptures here because I want you to see that all of this that I'm sharing with you is founded in scripture. Proverbs 24 verse 10. It says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. If you faint in the day of adversity, because something happens that looks like, and again, please hear my heart. I'm not making light of anybody's situation. I, I shared my own experience with you at the beginning so that you understand that I have context for what I'm saying. But the word of God is superior to your experience. Can I say that again? The word of God is what? Superior to your experience. And your experience has to bow to the word of God. That's why I'm teaching this. Now, I've told you that you must never let a crisis go to waste. The practical way that we do that is that we understand that every crisis is pregnant with possibilities. And I want to show you how that happens. Every crisis that you face in your life, this is how it is going to become possibilities. James chapter number one. Before we read that, please write this down. We don't become what we need to become by remaining what we are. So, we do not become what we need to become by remaining what we are. 
the process of that change always comes through a crisis. <laughs> you are not going to get the best of gold until it has gone through fire. You can't. That's the way it works. Because sometimes we, we just think that, you know, when they say somebody, somebody comes now and says, I have a promotion at work, it's because there's an examination. You cannot pass, you know, like people that have graduated now, they say that they have a new certificate or they graduated. They went through a test before they could come and say, I have a testimony. The very word says it. It's a testimony because there is a test at the beginning of it. So, but what happens is that when many Christians face that test, they run away from it. Say, God, take away this from me. I don't want this. That thing you are saying take away is the very thing God wants to use to take you to the next level. That very thing. So please, this is going to be a culture in this house. That I show up at your house, you are going through a crisis. They say they are coming, they are foreclosing your house. I want to see you with joy. You know what joy is? That's what he said. Look at it. James chapter 1 verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy. Did he say it's not a challenging situation? No, he said count it. The word count there is, is an accounting term. Reckon it as joy. So you balance the equation and say, I choose to reckon this as joy. When you fall into various trials. This one is not the last two. <laughs> Just stay on the earth. Stay around. There are more trials that are coming. Ah, don't you know of places where they have earthquakes? I mean, am I saying something wrong? Don't you know of places where they actually have earthquakes? There are places in Vancouver that when you, I mean, there was a place where I wanted to walk one time, where, you might remember this, where they were teaching us how to run into bunkers when there's an earthquake. Because it's an earthquake zone. So you prepare. The way you prepare naturally is the same way you prepare spiritually. That's the same way. So it's not to enter things and start panicking, start running around, just lose control, start talking anyhow. Start, no, no, no. It says, knowing that the testing of your faith actually does what? Produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking. Let me ask you a question. So I lost my house in a fire. And the Bible is saying lacking nothing. What is the meaning of that? Oh, I think only Samson is awake this morning. So it's telling you that if you count it all joy, there is no loss for a believer. I'm telling you, if he says you are lacking nothing, it means you are lacking nothing. Nothing. It doesn't matter what I lose. I lost my job. I'm lacking nothing. So the way you will come out of that experience, a better person on the other side, with an abundance on the other side, is because you choose to count it all joy. You choose to do it. You choose to do it. They send you a letter. They say, your student loan is past due. Or you get one thing that says, yeah, you're going to be deported, you know, from this country. You're going to take the thing, whatever they give you. I've told you before. Carry it to your room. Sit down on the floor there and start dancing around the thing. Dance with joy. Say, count it all joy. Dance around it. Rejoice and celebrate as if they just gave you a promotion letter. This is counterintuitive. Everything in the kingdom is upside down. The way up is actually down. The way to have more is actually to give away what you have. This is how the kingdom operates. <laughs> it's not that when, when things happen, we just take it and say, ah, but, but how about facing the reality? Our reality is the word of God. That's our reality. Say, so, ah, but, but you're, you're avoiding the reality. My reality is God's word. That's my reality. Say amen to that. Amen. So you count it all joy. Because you can actually profit 
from trials. First Thessalonians 5.18. Let's look at a few more scriptures. In everything. What did he say? <laughs> did he say in things that are reasonable or reasonable? In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. If you are ever confused about the will of God, <laughs> this is the will of God for you. In everything, 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 everything. Not everything will be nice. I'm repeating it again. I understand that some things are very challenging. I have lost jobs before too. In this country, they have fired me. So I'm not going to stand here. She's laughing now because she understood. There was a particular job that I had. I, I went into the office that day. I was just like a normal day. I was sitting down there with the guy. And he was just telling me, you know, we're falling on hard times. And we're letting some people go. Then I didn't understand that the term let go. You know, in Nigeria, I just sack, sack, sack. But he said, oh, stop like, what does it mean let go? We're letting you go. You know, not that you're not doing a good job, but we just, you know, we're just, and he just hired me, like, maybe a few months, you know. And I was inside his office. Like, I'm sitting, like, here, and he's sitting there. Huh? And I kept saying, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. This is practical stuff. He said, what are you saying? I said, no, never mind. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just thanking God. Then he said, this is the fellow who is firing me. He said, but you know what? I just thought about it now. I actually know another place where... You know, if this printing business actually folds up, they will be the last one standing. He said, give me a minute. He picked up his phone. This is the fellow who is doing what? Who is firing me. He picked up his phone and called. He said, ah, you know, I have this guy. You know, very hardworking guy. Very hardworking guy. Very, he said it almost 21 times. Very hardworking. Because for me, there's one thing you can't take away from me, my ethics. I will show up and do my job. I might not know all the technicalities of the job, but if you are looking for who will be there, I will be there. I will show up. So he kept saying it, ah, you will love this guy. Very hardworking. I need you guys to, to absorb him. Because we are letting some people go, but I, don't, I really don't want to let him go. Because he's actually a very hardworking guy. Very hardworking guy. Do you know that the fellow who fired me got me another job that was now paying me three times what they were paying me there? I mean, is it three or four times, Seth? It must have been more than three times more. The fellow was firing me. Because I sat down in his office there, and as he was sacking me, I was saying, thank you, Lord Jesus. So I'm not teaching you stuff that I don't do. I'm not talking this passionately because, you know, I just read something in the book. This is how I live my life. Somebody, you can't show up with bad news in my life. Look, it, it might hit me the way it hits every normal human being. But if you give me time, I will rectify the situation. Because I'll take it to my father and we'll fix it. This is how I want you to live your lives. You are a believer. So something hits you, you know, they, they give you a diagnosis. I know it's a diagnosis. It might look horrible. And they have all these weird names. Escragolamolitis, just to make it, you know, just to make it very scary. <laughs> and you say, ah, what is this? <laughs> but I'm saying to you that the power of the name of Jesus is stronger than any name. It's a name that is above every other name. And at the mention of that name, every name must bow. The way the name will bow is the way you react. The way you respond to it is how we will know whether the name will bow or it will not bow. Glory be to God. So thanksgiving is what will open your eyes. Then you will see. That, okay, this is what I'm actually supposed to do in this situation. Psalm number 8, verse 2. Psalm number 8, verse 2. Depending on the translation you read, this portion of scripture, it says, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength. Some translation says you have ordained praise. Because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. 
So the way God silences the enemy and the avenger is the praise that comes out of our mouth. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, he has ordained strength. This is extremely critical. Now, I'm going to skip a few things here just because of time. I'll probably, yeah, I'm sure I'll still have time in the future to share some of these things. Because I really want to, sh- want to share with you how we got that space. So I'm just going to jump. You guys need to walk with me, okay? I'm going to skip a few things here. Um, let's go to Philippians chapter 4 again, verse number 13 now. I'm going to go back there. And I want to show you what, what Paul was saying here when he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I've taught you this before, that when you see Christ, Christ is not the last name of Jesus. So it's not because they said Jesus Christ. It means Christ is his last name. Christ means the anointed one and his anointing. That, so when we interpret that, what, what he was saying is that I can do all things through the anointing that strengthens me. Because the person of Jesus himself is no longer here. So he's talking about the anointing that is within us, that that is what gives us the strength to do these things. So... First John chapter 2, let's reconcile all the scriptures and put them together. I want to just show you that you have this anointing on the inside of you already. It's not something that, and I'm talking to people who have, who have given their hearts to the Lord. You are, you are a child of God, you are born again, you have this anointing. It says it in First John 2.20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. You, you already have it. You have the anointing, and you know all things. The reason why this does not translate into practical experiences for people is the next one. If you go down to verse 27 now, you will see it. It says, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. It is inside of you. But you do not need anyone to teach you. Now, he's not talking about teaching like this. He's saying when you are in a circumstance, in a situation, you want to know what to do. You don't need anybody to teach you. The, the anointing on the inside of you will do that teaching. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and it's true and it's not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will... Aha, uh-huh. that's where the problem is. <laughs> Do you see what the problem is? Is that many of us as believers, we don't stay prayed up. When things go wrong is when we, we want to switch on the emergency switch. So you, are, you don't stay prayed up. You are, not, you, know, you are not moving with the frequency of the Holy Ghost. When something happens all of a sudden, then you're like, ah, oh, 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 oh. That's why you have to stay up. Like you must be, the only way I can explain it is prayed up. This is why this, these little routines that we keep emphasizing, they are so crucial, so critical. There's nothing like being prayed up. Look, when the, the opportunity showed up, huh, we didn't have, you know, I didn't have time to go and start. In fact, there was no time to do everything happened like, like this. So there's no time to say, give me 24 hours, let me go and pray in other tongues. Pray, but I pray in other tongues every day. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I pray in other tongues every day. So I understand that my faculties are under the influence of the Holy Ghost. So I don't have to say, oh, okay, give me, give me, let me go and now run into it and say, give me, I've not heard from God. You are, you are just lying to us. The issue is that you don't stay prayed up. Say, let me go and hear, let me go and hear. No, there are circumstances that will require that. But when opportunities show up, God expects you to be ready for it. So when this thing, and, and they said, ah, they, are, they have, I mean, you know, because of virtue of my own work, I got all this information much earlier, but I'm under, I'm under oath <laughs> not, to, not to just talk anyhow. So we knew what was going to happen. So I was like, okay. It's going to be interesting because, you know your pastor, I'm thinking 10 steps ahead. I'm like, next Sunday, the Sunday after, this thing is going to be very, very interesting. God, what do you want to do in this situation? Give me, give me that, um, that scripture, the story of, um, of Peter. You might need to find this. It's, it's before this one. It's Matthew chapter 14, verse 27 to 29. Let me show you what happened here. Just go back. 
God bless you. So he says, but immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer, and do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. You remember the story? Was, there was a storm that was going on. Jesus had told the disciples, we are going to the other side. It was not, it was not with them. They were there in the boat, and then there was a, there was a storm that came up. And they, were, they started fretting. Everybody started running around. Like, oh, what are we going to do? Then Jesus started coming to them, walking on the water. And Peter looked and said, ah, <laughs> what's going on here? Jesus, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. This is, look, when you have, when you have gotten to the point of thanksgiving, you have, you have resolved that. You are responding with thanksgiving. Your next step is, Lord, if it is you, if this, this situation that is going on, this circumstance, if you are in it, command me to come to you on the water. This thing I'm teaching you this morning, if you understand it, it's a game changer. This is what I told God. I said, all right. So they said there's fire. All right. Where can it reach? It might actually consume the whole church. Because me, I don't do, because I, I can look, I'll look at the whole thing. So it might consume the church. So what is the, what is the next step? God, what do you want to do? I want to be right in the middle of your plan. What do you want to do? So I started talking about, and I talked, and I talked to my wife too. I said, you know, all this real talk that, that we contacted, nobody even got back to me. I was getting furious. That, like they didn't even, it's almost like they don't have commission in, uh, in commercial. That if it's house now, they'll be pursuing you. They didn't get back to me. They didn't do anything. And this is where you have to be careful not to get stuck with the methods of God. Because the way he did something the last time might not be the way he wants to do it again. That's why you have to ask him, if it is you, command me to come. Because the last time, it was a realtor that brought us here. That we just came and he showed me and I'm like, yeah. We, you know, I had peace about it and it was good. So I was expecting that it would be a realtor. So that day I just woke up and I decided, you know what, God, we have to solve this problem. Like, we can't continue like this. Like, oh, what is all this that real talk? He said, okay, get into your car and drive. Now, the one thing that I have known all along is that this church is supposed to be on Bedford Highway. I knew that the day we arrived in Halifax, as, I, as, we, as we're coming, I, I, can't, I can't go into all the stories because of time, but the bottom line is that God told me when we were in the car coming from the airport where we were supposed to be located. Now, he was talking about our house at that time, okay? And it was Bedford. So that's why the, 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 we, we looked everywhere. We didn't find out. It was the Bedford <laughs> that we ended up in. Even when it was more expensive, that, that's a long story. But the bottom line is that I've, I'd known that part was settled. So what I did was I got into the car, and I just started speaking in other tongues inside the car, driving from one end of Bedford Highway to the other end. I would turn around. I will come back. Lezo, brata, liga, mando, lebrodo, sigaba, lababo, sante, legededo, sirabara. Looking at all the buildings, saying, where, Lord, where is this? Where is this? Just checking my heart. Where is this place? I know it is on this road. <laughs> so it's not that it's here. I just have to see it. So all of a sudden, I drove past the place, and God said, you have passed the place. So I quickly entered the next junction, and I came back. And I drove past it again, and he said, you've passed the place. <laughs> So it occurred to me that there is a place here that I had come to three years ago when we wanted, when, before we got this place, that we had actually asked them. But my mind was so blocked to it because they had rejected us. Because I had asked them and they said, we, we don't do church. That church, no. Church, Wahala is too much. <laughs> we don't do church. So, but there was a church opposite of the place. So they said, no, we don't do church. So I didn't even consider it. But he kept insisting that this is the place. Go and knock on the door. So I went there and I knocked. There was nobody there. He said, call the number. So I called the man. And I, immediately I heard his voice, I remembered him. He said, ah, sir, uh, what are you doing? I said, church. He said, no. No church, no church. 
No. I said, but why? He said, no, no, no church. church. Do you have money? Do you have money? Because I think maybe churches don't have money. <laughs> maybe churches don't pay on time. <laughs> so he said, you have money? I said, money is not an issue. This is me that don't, I, look at the account. We had already emptied the account to pay the rent of this place. So. I said, money? Money is not an issue. Money. We have money. What is, what is money? So he told me the rent. He said, 3500 No more, no less. 3500 I said, don't worry. Come and show me the place. He said, no, no, no. A church came there. They said, it's too small. I said, it's too small. That's why we want it. Come and show me the place. So he came and showed me. You have money? You have money? He just kept asking me, do you have money? <laughs> I said, don't worry. Just show me the place. The minute I entered the room, now, on the ordinary, you know, when you, when you enter here, you can see this space, the way it is open. Even though we had all those pillars in there, and I've always told my wife, I, I, I hate pillars in my life. I don't like pillars. The minute I entered the room, something just washed on me. You know when, when the way I told you I felt fear when they told me my house was on fire? The, a tranquility just came on me. Uh, I said, no. Even if I go down and see this, uh, this basement and I see a dungeon, we are here. This is where we are. There's no other. And, and it, then it now came down to, do you have money? Do you have money? So he said, 3,500, no more, no less. I said, chief, we are a church. All this is your, your harassment. We are a church. We don't have 3,500, you know. We, we can give you 3,000. Just let's wrap everything. He said, no, 3,500 plus tax. Ah. <laughs> I said, this man. But what you have to understand is that for that place, for Bedford Highway, the cheapest rent you will find there is 5,000. Oh, we have tried. We have tried. The cheapest one you will find. In fact, the one that we, we wanted to do, Bedford Tower, was 7000 they wanted to collect, plus tax, which would have taken it to almost 9000 That's what they wanted. So me and him were just there, and I was just praying him and checking my heart and just saying, Holy Spirit, you need to speak to this man. Because I still have more demands. This rent is not the only demand. Though. So I said, okay, how long are you going to give us to get this place ready? He said, one month. One month. One month. I said, no, sir. Okay, look, this is what we're going to do. Okay, in Nigeria means like he's a, a boss. You know, like just to make him calm down. Chief, relax, okay? We don't have, number one, we don't have 3,500. We have 3,000. 3, that 3,000, you have to figure out what the tax is and what the rent is. What we will give you every month is 3,000. He looked at his wife. Mm -hmm. The wife was speaking a, 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 a language. And he would speak to her, and the wife would do like this. <laughs> <laughs> I just kept checking my heart, saying, God, you have brought it this far. You are going to finish this up. She kept shaking her head. So I said, okay, let's go and check. Now, this is the excuse that I use. I said, let's go and check around. I said, we're going around. I was just speaking in other tongues. I was just praying in other tongues. Like, God, this woman's heart, you have to melt it. So we, when we came back up again, we started talking again. I said, 3,000 plus tax. So they went away. They talked. They argued. The woman was just, well, she now came. I said, yeah, okay, okay, okay. We'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it. So I said, okay, number two, we want three months free. I said, no, one month. Said three months free. Said, if I give, I give you three months, you'll do three years. I said, no, we are here for two years. We will not be in this building for three years. From here, we are moving to our own place. This is what I was telling the landlord. That from here, we are moving to our own place. So we are not here for two years. What we are going to be. So they went again. They argued and argued and argued and argued. Bottom line, Wednesday at 11 a.m., I collected the key from them. Gave them a check for $3,000. Can you stand to your feet and let's pray? It's a word and prayer service. I want you to talk to God this morning and say, Lord, teach me how to suffer need by faith. 
Thank you for listening to this message from Believer's House. We hope you've been blessed. Please visit us at www.believershouse.church for more information about our church or to send us your questions, comments, and feedback. We hope to see you again soon.